everybody. Welcome into another edition of Future Brew right here on mazebrew.com. I am Vaughn Lozon, and I've got Stephen Ostentoski back with me on this wonderful Monday evening. Stephen, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right. Monday, the work day's in the books. Ready to uh, ready to talk some football. It's a uh, it's a week away. I can't believe it, man. Monday, man, I mean, we we're coming up real quick on it, and I mean, we already had some week zero stuff, which was an appetizer to what will come this weekend with Michigan and Western and all the other great college football games that we've got uh, on the docket in the coming week. So I'm excited. And, uh, and it sounds like you are as well. And I assume everybody listening is uh, uh, gearing up for the football season. So do you have any plans to go to a Michigan game this year, Steven? I got a lot of plans. Got a lot of plans. I'm uh, I'm headed up North to, uh, to Mullet Lake to watch no football games, but I'm watching Michigan game from the, uh, from the lake over Labor Day. So that'll be nice. That's a tradition I've done every Labor Day in the past few years. And then I'll be uh, at the Michigan game for Washington. Um, I think Rutgers and Northwestern this year. Okay. To double check that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, you got a few in line here. I, I also have plans to be in Ann Arbor for the Washington game uh, all day tailgate with the family probably. So uh, I, it should be, should be a good time. Yeah. I mean, my dad, my two brothers are all going to go and uh, should be phenomenal. I can't wait to just tailgate in Ann Arbor again. It's been, been much too long. And uh, I, I'm, I know it's something that a lot of folks are looking forward to. So uh, hopefully if, uh, if you're listening out there and ho- hopefully you're able to uh, hit up a tailgate, go to a game at some point, um, at Michigan stadiums, unlike anything else. So let's just, let's jump into recruiting though. And uh, we're going to begin with what seems to be the ever growing defensive tackle board in the 22 class for the Wolverines over the weekend, Michigan sent another offer to an interior defensive lineman. Uh, this time it was to three-star defensive tackle Mason Graham. He is a native of Anaheim, California. He is 6'3", weighs 280 pounds, has been committed to Boise State since July, but is very open to other options, especially now that Michigan has entered the race and is one of the top programs, if not the top program, um, historically, at least, to offer him a scholarship. I spoke with him last night, actually, and uh, he was telling me uh, his plans for uh, visiting Michigan. He, he plans to take an official visit at some point for a game this fall. He's not sure when, but he will be uh, in Ann Arbor at some point in the next few months for a game. He's, he's only taken one official visit so far, and that was to Oregon State earlier this summer. That was before he committed to Boise State. He did take an unofficial to Boise before committing, but has yet to use an official visit there but he does plan to do so uh, for a game day at some point in the near future as well. So uh, he, at the very least, intends on going on two more official visits, one to the school that he is currently committed to and one that seems to be uh, among the new leaders in this recruitment for him. And he told me that he's taken everything uh, day by day with his recruitment. Uh, he is firmly still locked in with Boise State, but like I said, is very open to any and all options. And Michigan, from the looks of his offer sheet, Stephen, is 
in my opinion, at least the number one program in terms of prestige and where you would want to go to develop as a player and uh, potentially reach the NFL. Uh, so just break this down for me, Stephen, in terms of how your feelings are with sending more offers to D linemen, uh, interior D linemen in this 22 class, because they've been doing it a ton recently. And I, I have a feeling that they, they want to keep their options open uh, in the event that, uh, you know, some of their other top targets end up going elsewhere, which we've been in agreement all along that Walter Nolan will likely not be coming to Michigan. I fully anticipate him going somewhere in the SEC. So you can, I, I, I'm tentatively scratching him off the list. His recruitment is changing minute by minute, and it appears. So I don't want to rule anything completely out, but I would tentatively cross his name off uh, with a pencil. I wouldn't use a Sharpie by any means. But I guess sending more offers out um, in Michigan's uh, board for the 22 class, I I can certainly see where they're going, but it kind of comes back to the conversation we recently had about just the cause of concern for these guys that they're offering um, these backup targets, so to speak. He's barely a top 1,000 recruit, Mason Graham is, and uh, a relatively, I wouldn't say unknown guy because he does have some pretty decent offers, uh, power five offers, but Michigan comes into the fold and is automatically number one. It just seems like they've been doing that a little bit more often than what I, I guess they should for a program of their prestige. Uh, so, Stephen, I just want to get your thoughts and opinions on the offer itself and then what Mason Graham brings to the table in terms of uh, what he can do at 63280. Yeah, you mentioned it where when you offer a couple of guys around the top 1,000, it's not that big of a deal. You need backup offers, you need guys who are that second or third tier to kind of fill in on potentially some of your reach offers guys like Walter Nolan, you don't really expect uh, to commit to the Wolverines, but you need to extend that offer. You need to continue that recruitment because if you get him, it's a program changer, right? You, you want to pursue a few of those guys. Cause if you land one, it's huge. You also want to offer a handful of guys, maybe mid three-star range that uh, can can be really good fallbacks, guys that will develop over the course of two, three, four years to really build the bulk of your defensive line depth chart. When you start getting into the position that Michigan is now, where there's very, very few, I don't think there's a single interior defensive lineman committed in the 2022 class, only a couple, uh, only one edge in um, uh, Eugenio, I think, yeah, is the only edge committed right now. Some linebackers that could potentially fill that spot, but but there's just a, a complete lack of that, right? So so as the number of these guys in you know the 500 to a thousand overall range, those three stars, um, most of which have been as you said closer to the 1,000 overall range, then it starts to get worrisome because that's becoming the bulk of your offers and the more and more that Michigan continues along that path, it's likely that they're not getting resonance with some of those guys in the 800, 900 range that they're offering as backups. Now that could be some speculation, right? Maybe they're expecting that they'll need more guys to fill that nose tackle position. Maybe there's something that came up with like academics on one of those other guys, right? There's a lot of speculation you can do there on why Michigan is offering the number of these defensive tackles in this ranking range that they are. 
but I don't think it's a good thing. Um, it, we, we've mentioned over and over again how COVID has made it really difficult to uh, truly rank these guys. So um, is he appropriately ranked just within the top 1000? I actually think he probably is in this case. Um, and I'll get to that in a bit. But I think just from a pure standpoint of, as you said, becoming the the number one guy automatically he had mainly uh like it was between boise state and oregon state from my understanding before he committed in july it's not a, a kind of guy that's been rising in the ranks you know sometimes you'll see these guys who are ranked in his range but they'll all of a sudden pick up like utah and usc and some big big offers that don't match with his ranking after his commitment in july there hasn't been a, a flurry of recent commitments so it doesn't seem to be one of those types of recruits that's not to say he isn't um a worthy pickup but when you see a flavor of that recruit, it starts to raise your eyebrows and go down kind of the paths I was talking about of missing on other targets, kind of running out of options and reaching a bit more than you would traditionally see a program like Michigan do at this point. So it's, there's an air of desperation there. Is it actual desperation? We, we really don't know, but things are starting to point that way with just where the interior defensive line board is. Um, in terms of his scouting, um, things I do like about him, he does have the first step. I want him to fire out a little bit lower, but uh, he, he plays on both sides of the ball, and that first step is, is pretty solid. Uh, he doesn't have an imposing frame, so being at 6'3", his, uh, his reach is pretty limited. So that's going to be something that'll be tough for him to really develop into an elite stack and shed type of guy. Um, I, I think that reach overall is below average, uh, even with that height. So um, he does have some pass rush ability. I, I like his lateral quickness. He has some nimbleness there. He's able to pair that with a swim move that's uh, pretty advanced. So uh, if he can comfortably weigh in at, at you know, 310, 320 pounds and keep that nimbleness up. Um, he's a good option uh, at nose tackle in uh, those scenarios where he can use that pass rushing. Um, the only other thing I took note of is that he, he does have solid eyes in the backfield on run plays. But again, I think at the next level, that frame will hurt him on his stack and shed ability um, given that limited frame. So um, I, I think his ranking is appropriate. He, I think he does have some upside uh, if he can spend some time in, in the strength and conditioning program. I'd expect him to be like a, a rotational guy in his third to fourth year at a program. I don't expect him to, you know, be all conference or anything like that. But a guy who can provide solid depth, I think he he flashed some ability, and I do like that he starts both ways. That shows uh, that he, he has some. Uh, he has a good motor. He's able to stay in uh, throughout the game. It's pretty taxing for a guy in California to be doing that. So um, he'll come in right away with that level of durability. Um, so, so a higher floor, um, I, I think, but, but a pretty limited ceiling just with, uh, with his athleticism and his overall frame. So again, it's, it's not a bad offer. I think it's, it's a guy that you, would want to be um, 
maybe one of your reach commits, not your first interior defensive line commits. And I don't mean that as any offense to Graham, um, but Michigan just has a lack of true four-star, five-star guys mm-hmm. on the board. And that's just kind of the reality of, of this uh, defensive line class for Michigan thus far. Yeah. Let, and let's be real clear about this too. And when we say that he would be a reach for, uh, for a, a committable offer candidate by no means do we mean any disrespect towards Mason Graham or any of these players that are you know fringe top 1000 or guys that you know are are quote unquote not capable of playing at Michigan I I don't want us to be (laughs) viewed as like the uh the the media a-holes of Michigan football recruiting by any means Uh, if anything I think this is more of a uh, a shot at Michigan with the way that they have been recruiting. Because if you look at the defensive line targets that they are going after, uh, that they've offered uh, on 24 uh, seven in terms of the defensive line uh, position, because they, they switched it recently from D tackle. It's now defensive line. Uh, they have it to where it's edge and defensive line. So they've offered 54 defensive linemen in this 22 class three of them being five stars and those three five stars are currently not committed to any program. And the one that they're continually going after is Walter Nolan. Now they've got a lot of other high four stars as well that they have offered that they were in the recruitment for a while, but have been shut out for a long time. Anthony Lucas is the one that I keep bringing up who is a high uh, four star player a near top 50 overall player that they were in on for a while. And then he just decided he wasn't interested. Caden Curry, another interior defensive tackle uh, in uh, the top 100 in 24 sevens composite. They were in on him for a while and they got shut out. Hero Canu, uh, who's also from California, top 100 player, interior defensive lineman, got shut out there. So they have just seemingly been shut out of all of these recruitments uh, really from the get-go. I mean, they, they really weren't in it for Caden Curry for super long. Hero Canu was a, uh, a a player who went unranked to top 100 very quickly, and, and his offer list was sky high and still is sky high. Anthony Lucas has always been a high-ranked player, and obviously Walter Nolan, we, we've talked about him enough. So w- when it comes to offering a guy like Mason Graham, it, it certainly is a backup uh, a target at this point. And by no means do I think that he's an awful player. He's earned an offer from Michigan. He's earned offers from Boise state, Oregon state, UNLV, Utah state, some other programs that would gladly take him. He has earned those offers. So I don't want to act like I am being disrespectful towards him, but when it comes to players of that caliber in general, it really goes to show how Michigan's recruiting has been going this cycle and quite frankly, how it'll probably continue if they don't end up doing something on the field this season. So I'm a little concerned here when it comes to the interior defensive line. And John and I had talked about it last week and he wasn't as concerned as I was just given that they finished the 21 cycle very strongly, which I do agree. Rayshon Benny and George Rooks and Ike Awana are three very capable players at Michigan that have potential. But again, with this current regime, with 
Jim Harbaugh and Mike McDonald and all these guys, they honestly, they, they don't really have time to take, like you had said with Mason Graham, three to four year developmental guys. They don't have time um, given how things have played out under Jim Harbaugh over the last few years. So I'm a little concerned here, Stephen. Um, I'll just get your thoughts on everything that I just said, and then we can kind of move on. Yeah, it, it kind of watching the film, it, it reminded me a little bit of Ryan Glasgow and Glasgow, Ryan Glasgow made a name because of his, uh, he had really good technique. He had a really great first step. Um, and honestly, he was just a tactician. Nothing about Ryan Glasgow stood out to you really from a physical standpoint. He had a limited frame at 6'3", 300 pounds. He wasn't the biggest guy, uh, but he got himself drafted in the fourth round, right? And that's something where no one would have expected Ryan Glasgow to be one of Michigan's best defensive linemen um, when he was. And that's the same kind of thing with Mason Graham. Graham could do that. Similar frame. If you can be a tactician, you can stand up to double teams. You can make a name for yourself on the interior defensive line. There's a position for you. And at nose tackle, there really is no starter. So rotational, mm-hmm. being a rotational player in the interior defensive line is essentially being a starter. And, and it's exactly what I said, being, being a strong enough player there, having a, a skill set to rush, rush the pass rush the pass passer. Holy cow. That's difficult to say. (laughs) Um, Untwister there, buddy. Yeah, seriously. But to do all of those things that Graham has, he can put it together. But again, I think you would have been crazy when you saw that Ryan Glasgow came in and you're like, that's the guy who's going to be, you know, the star of our defensive line. I think it's, it's not out of the question for Mason Graham, but kind of what, what you were saying, there's concern on building your class around those guys, because let's just be honest. It's not something that's a surefire thing. You're, you're not going to, uh, to hit on all of those guys. And there's a lot of development that takes place, especially for defensive linemen that is very tough to project. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. John isn't here to defend himself, but I'm with you, Vaughn. We can team up on him that, that I'm a little bit concerned. So, yeah. Uh, obviously, since since John's not here, he's wrong. So we can definitively yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, we all have different opinions on these things. And I, obviously, we, we're both in agreement here that it, it is a cause of concern. Um, they, they really just need to put it together on the field this season. And, you know, if, if they build it, they will come, right? I mean, field of dreams quote, if they build it, they will come and they, and obviously building it is victories uh, in Michigan's case with Jim Harbaugh. They, they need wins this season if they want to turn things around on the recruiting trail for this class and future classes. So it, it'll be a huge task for them, but, uh, we'll certainly see how it plays out. I'll, I'll be interested to see if uh, he ends up, uh, Mason Graham uh, ends up being a, a take at the end of the day. I, I, I don't know. I, I would kind of be shocked if they end up taking um, uh, these guys over and over again. They've already got a couple unranked, or well, not unranked, but very, very low three-star players in this class. And I don't think they want to keep taking players like that. I think they want to win and, and be in contention for those high-ranked players that, they were in contention with when Harbaugh first came to Michigan. So let's move on though. Um, we'll, we'll kind of flip the script here a little bit, uh, Steven, uh, because uh, as we inch closer and closer to the season beginning, 
starting this Saturday. More official visits are going to end up being lined up for game days in Ann Arbor. And it appears that we've got a couple big-time visitors lined up for the game against Washington uh, that have just been kind of added to that growing list. It was already pretty big, just got a little bigger with five-star cornerback Damani Jackson and four-star in-state defensive back Dylan Tatum. And Jackson, we've talked about previously, he's been committed to USC for a while now, has always kind of been rumored to visit for a Michigan game at some point this season. He grew up a big fan of the program and has wanted to visit for a while, so he'll end up getting on campus for his official. Tatum, on the other hand, has been to Michigan numerous times. Uh, His former high school coach uh, is on staff, Ron Bellamy, and uh, over the weekend had a run of Michigan State crystal balls. So it doesn't really sound like Michigan's recruiting Tatum too much at this point, but nonetheless, uh, they'll continue to be in the hunt for him uh, as uh, uh, this recruitment continues to wear on. So, Stephen, at at this point, I mean, what do you think is more likely, a flip from Domani or Tatum committing? Because I I feel like it's kind of a coin toss at this point with how much Domani still likes U of M, and he's – very good friends with Will Johnson, but these Tatum crystal balls for Michigan State uh, really throwing a monkey wrench here. So I, I, I feel like it's kind of a, a, a coin flip at this point. What would you think? Yeah, I don't know. I would probably vote on that coin landing on its edge, right? What that actually <laughs> Neither thing happens. It falls into the sewer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like either one would be really possible. Honestly, I don't think Damani Jackson is going to be here since his commitment to USC. The only other non-USC action in 2021 was a uh, mid-June unofficial visit to Bama. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, he's a guy you, you can't give up on. Uh, You heard him for so long. You mentioned the Will Johnson friendship there, the, the bond with Michigan that, that, goes back to his fandom growing up. I mean, there's too many connections to, to not try, right? Get his buddy, mm-hmm. Will Johnson there, do everything you can roll out the red carpet. It's going to be a great atmosphere. It's all you can do, but I don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, at this point, if it was going to happen, there would have been more smoke. Um, I mean, Michigan's doing everything they can. I just don't see it now with Tatum Tatum's such an odd recruitment. Cause we had been saying for a long time that it's just like, yeah, it seems like, it's going to be an eventual Michigan commitment. And then it just like silence for a long, long time. I mean, you, you have former coach Bellamy on staff now um, just seemingly a guy that's had every opportunity to commit and just hasn't. And then you mentioned the three crystal balls to MSU in the past week. And um, I don't know, there's an article on 24 seven sports, from Sam Webb explaining that uh, Michigan is likely going to move on. There is um, some other targets that Michigan has been prioritizing more. So it's, it's something that could just be like a personality difference. It seems like if Michigan really, really wanted him, they would have pushed more, but again, we don't, we don't really see what level of, of effort they're they're pursuing with Tatum. So if I have to answer the coin flip question, it'd probably be Tatum. I feel like if Michigan really wanted to kind of try to flip the script here, I think you can beat out Michigan state in just about every regard. If you truly do roll out that red carpet, it just seems like mm-hmm. um, something's been off, whether there's um, a difference in his ranking and, and the staff's, uh, 
internal ranking or priority of him on their board. Um, whether that chart doesn't suit the, the goals of playing time for Dylan Tatum early, something like that. It just, it seems like there's something behind closed doors here that we're not hearing, not anything in, you know, bad or anything like that, just a difference of priority lists. You know, if you're playing NCAA 14 and you're scrolling through the list of guys and you get like the top three priorities for a recruit and they're all like in the negative red and you're just, well, I'm going to have no chance of getting this guy because we're just not a good fit. It could just be something like that. I don't know why I brought up a video game reference, but it, it felt like I should because, because it's a fantastic video exactly. game. That's that, why. It's fine. It, it's one of the best sports video games of all time. So it, it, it. you get a pass, but um, that's, that's what I feel like it is. It feels more of just like a difference and just like, yeah, this just isn't a, like like i hate using the term vibe but it feels like it's just if it would have happened um you know she would have gone to the dance with me and and they're 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 not given a, a formal invite to the dance and they're going to homecoming with with someone else on the board that that catches their eye a little bit more so with, with, with the kid reference. at school that you hate yeah i don't know it's weird but it is what it is man yeah so i think if michigan really really wanted to flip the script here i think they could it doesn't seem like that's going to happen so i'm going with the sewer the the coin in the sewer option i really don't think either happens um as well it's really unfortunate that taylor groves the uh, four-star safety that was committed ended up decommitting a while ago and has since uh committed to ole miss but yeah, it, it does seem like they've got other plans at safety, and they've certainly offered a couple uh, guys recently. And I, it, there was an article actually today from 24-7, the guy down in Florida, uh, Andrew Evans, who had an update on Alfonso Allen, who's a four-star safety from Miami. Uh, he decommitted from Arizona State, and Michigan is among the schools who have reached out to him. So it seems like Ron Bellamy is uh, doing all he can to at least get a safety uh, in this recruiting class here. I don't think it ends up being Tatum either. I think he's bound for either Michigan State or somewhere else. I just it, pretty much anywhere other than Michigan at this point. It just doesn't seem like Steve Klinkscale has really – uh, thought highly of him even since he was at Kentucky he was not actively recruiting him at Kentucky and that's partially who would be one of his main coaches in Michigan is Steve Klinkscale so it just seems like he's bound to go elsewhere and I agree I think Domani ends up sticking with USC um, it, it would be something if he were able to come to Michigan and see a, a, a good game against Washington and Michigan ends up going on a big run and uh, throughout the season and or maybe things change, but I, at this point, I highly doubt it. So I certainly expect him to stick with USC. I certainly expect Tatum to be a, a committed player elsewhere at some point, uh, probably in the near future. So they'll just have to uh, continue on with some of these other guys that end up visiting. And <laughs> this is, this is like the uh, podcast from hell, Steven. I mean, we're just talking about negative Nancy stuff this entire day, but uh, it, that is what it is. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it happens. So, um, you know, th this isn't the news that you probably want to hear as a Michigan fan, but it's the news that you should hear um, because it's, it's just what's happening. And we, um, we don't choose the weather, but you can bring an umbrella. Hi exactly. Hey, that's, that's good advice. Ooh. <laughs> 
I, especially with the summer weather that we've had uh, this summer, it's been awful. So always bring an umbrella, courtesy of meteorologist Stephen Asentoski. Um We're going to take a break, and, and maybe we'll come back and talk about something positive for you people. Who knows? But first, let's talk about something very positive in our world, and that is Home Field Apparel. And it's a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. And not only is their stuff comfortable, but it's officially licensed gear, so they do not screw around when it comes to their designs and the cool thing about home field is their team over there studies every school's history traditions legacies and with all of that come their creative and thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university and they've got some awesome original michigan designs that you will not find anywhere else so go to homefieldapparel.com use a promo code mnb at checkout and you'll get 20 percent off your entire first order again that's homefieldapparel.com promo code mnb this episode is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors in life whether they be big small or anywhere in between and when we keep those bottled up it can start to affect us in a negative way Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking around with all of this negative football recruiting talk. Uh, over the weekend, this is not negative, college football kicked off and Steven, in my opinion, so did the Scott Frost farewell tour with their first stop being in Champaign, Illinois. Um, and that was fun to watch. Uh, that That's like the one, one positive note here from week zero is that uh, it, the Scott Farkas of the big 10 um, ended up taking an L to uh, Brett Bielema in Illinois. That was a fun watch. I don't know if you watched that game, but I thoroughly enjoyed Uh, seeing that but uh another thing that popped up this past week was high school football also started back up and one of michigan's top targets in the 23 class had a monster performance to kick off his junior season that's five-star in-state quarterback dante moore had an absolutely stellar performance uh, over the weekend had through through for 438 yards four touchdowns and in the first half alone he threw for 265 yards and three touchdowns despite that performance his team still ended up losing to another midwest powerhouse in carmel high school and that's located in Indiana. If you haven't seen this, it was a pretty crazy walk-off Hail Mary touchdown pass. Uh, just an incredibly wild ending to a game because uh, they uh, Detroit King, they scored their touchdown. Dante Moore did, uh, I, I believe it was with under a minute left in the fourth quarter. So just back and forth, just a, a great game overall. And obviously the, uh, the star showing there from Dante Moore. So I don't know, Steven, sometimes you wonder how good a QB will be later on in his high school career when he's ranked so high 
early on like he has been. Now it's his junior season, and he's already kind of living up to that five-star billing and really, in my opinion, has proven how valuable he is to Michigan's 2023 recruiting class. And in my opinion, he's number one, two, and three on their overall target board in this class. He's just that important. He's the number 16 overall player in the country for a reason, and I think he should uh, be among the top targets for Michigan in this 23 class. He, In my opinion, he should be number one. So uh, what is it that you've seen out of him that makes him a top-level talent at the quarterback position, and how valuable do you think he is to Michigan's 2023 recruiting class? Yeah. Uh, I'll answer the second question first. I mean, he's a guy, when you look at the 2021 class and you saw a, um, like a, a Donovan Edwards, that's kind of a similar vein that you see in the 2022 class with Will Johnson. And that's kind of the same vein that you see in Dante Moore for the 2023 class. And that's something where it's an elite, elite playmaker, uh, a guy who's a, a, in my opinion, no doubter, five star, um, someone that you need to have committed to Michigan more or less to set a precedent that the best star talent, the, the, you know, top 20 guy in your state, the top 20 guy in the nation who happens to be in your state, um, won't go elsewhere. And that was, that is the case with Will Johnson. Um, I, I think he was outside the top 20 Donovan Edwards was, but he came into Michigan, obviously. Yeah. So it's kind of that vein where it, it more hurts you from a sheer, uh, I won't say like fan standpoint, but just from a, a gut check. It, it's a gut check. If that guy escapes out of the state of Michigan. Um, and I think it goes even further than that because of where Michigan is from a roster standpoint to bring him in. All right, because currently you had 2021 uh, right now. It's Cade McNamara's show, but that's when you bring in, obviously, J.J. McCarthy. Um, looking onwards to 2022 as a redshirt freshman and into 2023, those are likely the years that you'll see um, McCarthy start to show up, at least compete for the starting role, if not outright win it. I think it's pretty reasonable to say that in 22 and 23, that could be the expectation for McCarthy, um, ideally with a standout season in 23 before heading off to the NFL. All right, just dream with me, Michigan fans, if you're trying to roll your eyes, this is, this is the plan that I think Michigan had for J.J. McCarthy, right? You learn one year under Cade McNamara as a true freshman, you get ready for 2022, and then you show out in 23 before you're on to bigger and better things in the NFL. So if you look at that and you're Dante Moore, you're looking at an opportunity to go to Michigan in 2023 with the same path of another five-star stud quarterback that JJ McCarthy did. And you can look at his timeline, right? Freshman year, boom, in 2021, in Dante Moore's case, it'll be 2023, but you sit behind a guy who's been waiting in the wings. It's his time to shine. You learn the offense, you take some time and then boom, 2024 and 25, it's your time to shine. You get the reins and you're you're not only ready for that moment but you learned from a guy who uh who went through the same exact path that you did um 
as that star quarterback, uh, true freshman waiting in the wings. So that's, I mean, that's the pitch and, and it's, it's a very, very different recruitment. If we're talking about a senior Dante Moore, you, you would not get Dante Moore in 2022 at all with JJ McCarthy on the roster already, unless you're maybe in Ohio state or Alabama, it's just not gonna, you're just not going to convince a guy of Moore's caliber, um, to come to Michigan and potentially wait two years before he gets his shot. Right. It's just not going to happen. So it's something that I think Michigan is poised very well with that pitch. And that's really the only way that they can because McCarthy's likely a future captain. So you have to be understanding that these two quarterbacks need to coexist for likely a year. Um, and you need to lean on that and you need to ensure that McCarthy's on board with sort of that path for Dante Moore, that vision that Michigan can have with that. So <laughs> that's kind of the path for him at Michigan. So it does make sense when you're looking at the roster, you know, Michigan does have Denegal in 2022, but that guy is looking more like a project overall. So I don't think that would really scare a guy like Dante Moore out. Um, in terms of his skill set, um, I, I mean, he, he, you said it best. Sometimes you look at these guys and it's like, well, will, will they really shine from being ranked so high early on? I mean, to put up over 400 yards against a powerhouse team like that, four touchdowns. Um, there, there's still some things from a physical and mechanical standpoint that he'll need to develop in, but he, he has the pure arm talent there already. Um, he's playing for a, a big program in, in, uh, in King that will, I think that'll just play dividends for him developing, being able to handle the spotlight there. Um, he's, he's got just all the tools that you want. It's more of just a matter of him filling out the frame that he has and, um, and going from there. So I still think he's a little, little slight. I think you can put on some pounds, get some work in the, uh, in the weight room, but that's almost any quarterback, you know, JJ McCarthy was the same deal. Um, so it, it's something where again, Michigan's poised well to, to introduce him into the program without an immediate need and to get him up to speed intelligently. And in terms of recruitment, it's, it's a recruitment that you can't lose even more than one that you should win. If that makes sense, it hurts more to lose a guy like that to a different program. Um, than it's, than it is to win. And I felt that exact way with both Donovan Edwards and Will Johnson. I think that's the same case. Yeah. Especially if the schools or the school that you end up losing him to is one of the programs that is pretty much your direct competition. Notre Dame, and Michigan State, both schools are recruiting him just as hard uh, as Michigan is, and he's got other really good offers as well. Ohio State has offered him. Penn State has offered him. So lots of regional schools want him to be their quarterback of the future, and rightfully so. And then you've got other offers from outside of the region, Auburn, Florida State, LSU, Ole Miss, Oregon has offered him as well. So he's going to have his, his, uh, his destination to decide, um, you know, does he want to stick around in the big 10? Does he want to play uh, for a program like Notre Dame? 
Uh, does he want to go to the SEC, the Pac-12? Uh, it, it, he's really going to have his option uh, of where he wants to play. So, yeah, it, it would be a big blow for Michigan to lose him, uh, certainly in this 23 class, because you'd really have to scramble at that point because you brought up Denigal being a developmental type of player in the 22 class at the quarterback position. And it, honest, in my opinion, he's he's going to be, if if things play out the way that I think they play out, he, he'll kind of always be that, that depth guy that always comes in and if a quarterback goes down, he'll come in and play. He'll he'll get the the mop up duty against the, the the Western Michigans of the world and those types of schools. But I don't expect him to be a star player uh, by any means. So yeah, I, I think Dante Moore is a fantastic talent. He's the number three quarterback ranked wise on the composite in this class, uh, behind Malachi Nelson who is Oklahoma State's, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma's um, a quarterback commit in that class. And he's the fourth-ranked player overall. So he is a highly touted player. And then Arch Manning is the number one overall recruit and number one quarterback in that class. So uh, if you have a, the name, the last name of Manning, obviously you're probably going to be number one with whatever you end up doing. Um, so he is – among those top talents at the quarterback position, he just happens to reside in the state of Michigan, plays for a school that you have dipped your toes into in the recruiting pool uh, in the past under Jim Harbaugh, especially. They've been on Dante Moore for a very long time. So it, it would be a massive, massive disappointment if they end up losing out on him because he's he's been to Michigan several times. Uh, he's grown up around Michigan. He, he knows what it's all about. So he, he's one of those players, like you mentioned, Donovan Edwards, for example, Will Johnson being another one, just that you go all out on and you make him that number one player on the board in that class. And if they don't do that, then I, I don't know what to tell you. I would certainly expect them to do that just because you want to keep these guys in the state. Uh, and especially when they're as ranked as high as he is and at the position uh, that he plays. And Michigan was his first offer back in June of 2018. So they've been recruiting him for at least three years now. So if, if like I said, if they miss out on him, it would be a massive disappointment. He's a highly talented player. And uh, it just happens to luckily be in the state of Michigan, not too far uh, in the city of Detroit. So Stephen, any final thoughts from you, my friend, did you also enjoy watching Scott Frost and, and Nebraska lose over the weekend? Oh man. Yeah. I saw a tweet from Zach Shaw at 24 seven Scott Frost would need to go 37 and one at Nebraska over his next 38 games to match Harbaugh's current record at Michigan. <laughs> and keep in mind that that is in the big 10 West. Can you imagine? Oh, like Michigan had to have at least have had two to three big 10 championship appearances had, had Michigan bet in the West conference in these past, you know, whatever, yeah. five, seven years, it's, it's pretty wild um, to think that I, like I saw so many tweets about like Scott Frost is like something, something Jim Harbaugh, like equating the two. Oh, it's like, Oh, it's like disgusting. Michigan fans, if you don't think it could be worse, I'd, I can't tell you a better program to take a look at right now than Nebraska. 
Honestly. Yeah. Honestly, you compare the two situations, the two programs, uh, bringing in, you know, an accomplished alum, um, who, who did some pretty good things. Obviously Jim Harbaugh probably had a better resume than, uh, I don't think it's without question. Um, or I think it is without question that Harbaugh had a better resume, but still Scott Frost, you know, I think everyone thought that was a knockout hire for Nebraska. Um, yeah. Well, especially after that self-proclaimed national championship oh, that they won at UCF. <laughs> you can't forget that. So, yeah, man. It's uh, ever since he had the the comments at UCF of we out hit Michigan despite losing by like whatever that game was, forty points or something, yeah, fifty-five yeah. to twenty-eight or something. Um, oh, I I'm loving it. I'm loving it. The the show Schadenfreude. I don't even know. Schadenfreude or Schadenfreude. Yeah, yeah. It's Um, it's fantastic. I agree. It's beautiful. Lovely. It it is a thing of beauty. No better way to kick off the uh, the football season with a little bit of Schadenfreude. I'll just pronounce it that way. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And and with the score being two nothing at one point as well, that was just oh god, It, it it just screamed. To me, it screamed Maction, like like Tuesday night Maction, but it just so happened to be a Big Ten game. And they, I mean, it, it, they may as well be in the MAC <laughs> with the way that with the way that they played on Saturday. It was just phenomenal. I loved every second of it, and uh, I don't know. I, I just hope that at the end of the season, Scott Frost has his Urban Meyer uh, golf cart. Papa John's pizza moment where he's just sadly sitting somewhere and just realizes what is, what is going to happen. Um, Prediction. He gets fired and then he joins urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Oh, it's like a random coach or analyst or something. I like that. I I love the bold predictions, man. I'm all about that. Papa John's together. Hey, Bill. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, man. We've talked enough. This, this podcast, I'm wrapping this up. You can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. Steven, where are you at buddy? At Stephen Toski. And follow Mason Brew on Twitter, Facebook, all the social medias. Give our podcast five-star reviews. Subscribe to all that stuff. We'd really appreciate it. And subscribe to the YouTube channel, too. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Building up the community over at the YouTube channel. And uh, join us on Discord, too. We've got uh, community Discord. Just search Mason Brew. You'll find it there. We're going to be messaging live back and forth uh, this weekend for the Western Michigan game. And uh, so we're trying to uh, ramp up our efforts on discord as well. So uh, whichever ones uh, you prefer, and we'll have the game thread up on uh, the site on Saturday too. So for Steven Ossentoski, I am Vaughn Lozon. We'll come back next week with another edition of future brew. Go blue.